трибунах холеют знамена, Облака под небесни плывут. На зеленом ковре стадиона разноцветные майки Hello and welcome to this special edition of the Russian Football News Podcast. Of course, the European Championships are due to get underway in, uh, well, they're due to get underway tomorrow at this time of recording. And of course, Russia will play England on Saturday. So obviously, we are looking to cover that game from the Russian perspective in quite full depth. Once again, I'm joined by Toka Thiele, the website editor. How are you? Hi, Thomas. I'm good. Good stuff. And I'm joined by my fellow Englishman, but he's on the other side of Europe, and that's Andrew. Hey, Thomas, hey. Hi. Are you, sorry, I'm, this is totally right. Are you actually in Asia or Europe? Te- technically, yes, I am. I'm a few hundred kilometres inside Asia, yes. Oh, wow, that's <laughs> amazing. Okay, that's, that's useful to know. Okay, so, like I said, we're just going to go over the England game, which is due to take place on Saturday. And, well, we're going to first start with some team news. So, if I can come to you first, Toka, what Russian team news is there for the listeners? Well, we know that for a fact Dmitry Tobinski, the versatile left-back midfielder, has been ill in the in the previous few days and have been unable to train yesterday and today. That's Wednesday and Thursday. And then we have um, the midfielder, Denis Glushikov, has been training on his own, both uh, yesterday and then alone today. And Vasily Berezovsky returned to training with the main group today. So they all... It, they should all be ready for for the game on on the Saturday against England, but it's still a bit unknown with Topinski whether or not he'll be ready to play a whole game or be ready at all with his sicknesses. We don't know how, how serious it is yet. Okay, so looking like everybody's fit, and I think the same is the same for in, uh, for England, right, Andrew? Yeah, I mean, what I've what I've heard um, today is Joe Hart's come out and said everybody's fit and everybody's taking part in training. Um, the only minor question mark yesterday was, or the day before even, were pictures of Chris Smalling with an ice pack and strapping on his knee. But he's come out and said that's just his standard precautionary measure after after any training. So uh, it looks like England have a completely full squad to pick from. Okay, perfect. Maybe it's actually a superstition of Chris Smalling. He has he has to have the ice on his right knee after every training session before a game. Who knows? It's just one of those things. Okay, so um, I know we've gone over this before in recent podcasts, and the listeners will be aware of that, talking about the strengths and weaknesses of Russia. But I'm talking about this specific game now. Bearing in mind all their injuries, well, I know we said the full squad, but we've had a couple of knocks here. In reference to this game, think of think of the England strengths as well and England's weaknesses. Toka, what would you say are Russia's strengths and weaknesses in particular reference to this England game? I think the the obvious big big weakness of Russia is that they are without Denisov and Takoev on the central midfield. They both played uh, an enormous role in the qualification, and they are some of the most um, important players in the squad. So. The fact that Russia will have to do without them, that is a huge blow to the chances. Of, of course, they've had a few weeks to to adapt now that Goev was injured after the last game of the season. But playing without them will definitely hurt their chances. And it is a rather... There are some uncertainties on the midfield and it is a bit unproven at the moment, especially on international level. Looking at the strengths, of course, 
we always say this about Russia, but but it is a really tight unit. They, they have played together for many years, most of the players, and I think, especially against an England team that is a bit inexperienced, they have a lot of young players, then I think the experience from players like Berzutsky and Ignacevic, that, that can really make a big, a big difference because they have 10, 15 years age advantage against some of the the English offensive players. Yeah, you mentioned Ignashevich there. I found out a good fact the other day. Um, Ignashevich, what played in the Euro qualification for 2004 against Wales, and he's going due to captain Russia at Euro 2016. So it gives you an idea of that sort of age, really. So, Andrew, what would you say about the Russian strengths and weaknesses in view to this game? Well, I definitely agree with Toka that the main weakness is the central midfield. It might not be, depending on how well Roman Neustadter settles in, I've I've been told he, he's very very keen to play in midfield as opposed to central defence, but he's he's got the ability to play both positions. Now, if he could fill in the... Uh, the Denisov role, um, then maybe maybe it would um, solve a few of the problems. But he's never played, so we we, we don't know at this stage. Um, I I think the the classic strength and weakness of the Russian side is is the central defence. Um, Toka mentions Ignashevich um, and Beretsuzki, and everybody knows they've played together for a long time. They have good experience together, but they are not the quickest, stating the obvious. And if England do go with, well, what I would expect with um, at least Vardy for pace um, up front, that really could cause them problems. So I'd say potentially the pace in defence is a weakness um, and central midfield. Um, I think up front, there it might be one of the strengths of the Russian team because I'm, I'm not sure exactly who Slutsky is going to go with up front as his main striker, probably Juba going by his previous record. Um, but if he can work out a way to get the best out of Fyodor Smolov, I think that will be the sort of change, the sort of setup that will cause England the most problems um, because his movement is, is, is excellent and Chris Smalling might have trouble picking him up. So those are, that's what I would say. I say forward, probably the strength is up front. Uh, weakness, centre midfield, and centre defence for pace. Yeah, Toker, I was surprised in your sort of picking up on the strength. So I'm surprised you didn't mention the forward line. Surely England, a lot of question marks over the centre central defence, as all the centre halves that they're taking. So that's Cahill, Smalling, and John Stones all play on the right hand side of central defence. They have no natural left sided centre half. So surely that's something Russia will be able to take big advantage of. I think it depends on who, who Russia plays up front. If Slutsky goes with the uh, Shuba up front, I can't honestly I can't really see him making any pro uh, problems for for the England central defenders. I mean he did well in the qualifications, scoring five of his eight goals against Liechtenstein. But but in in the big perspective, he is a quite average striker, and I think the English defenders, even though they haven't played as much together as Ignashevich and Bredasutsky. A guy like a guy like um, Tuba is... I mean, English defenders will eat him for breakfast because they're playing against big strikers like him every single week in, in England. And I don't think he's really... I don't think he'll f f be much of a challenge for them, to be honest. I think if they play Smolov, on the other hand, that could 
that could give Russia some advantages because then they would have a forward who can do something on his own, who could create chances out of nothing, and who can um, who can try to get behind the the central defenders. While Tuba will depend a lot on his teammates to create chances for him, and I think that that could be problematic for Russia if they only can create chances by going over the wings and getting crosses into the penalty area because maybe it, this is a bit of a stereotype but that is at least as a Dane how I see the English defenders and that that should be their strength um getting rid of, of, of crosses yeah I'm gonna be a bit controversial here but not being funny Toka but an average striker doesn't score six goals in the Champions League and I'm going to go against the grain here. Everybody's going about Fyodor Smolov, and quite rightly, he's done very well. But I can't help but feel there's somewhat of that late burst influencing the decision, and perhaps Zuba is the all-round better option. Probably a bit of Zenit bias in there, I admit, but I would go with that. Now, you mentioned the wingers there, and Andrew, you mentioned... Actually, Toka, before I come on to that, before I come on to that, Andrew, Toka, you can have a comeback at me with the Zuba thing there, because I sort of... I didn't insult you a bit, but I, w- I went against the editor, so I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get, I get what you mean. Tuba is definitely the, he's the safe choice. You, you know what you get, you know what his strengths are, but, but he's always also a, a predictable player. And I think if you play with Tuba up front, then at least in the friendly, for example, they played with Kukulin and Smolov on the on the wings, and I don't think they work very well together with Tuba up front. I think. Playing with Shuba in the front, you would have to, to play with Samadov on the right and then uh, Shatov on the left to play with these sort of traditional wingers and who, who can serve the ball for Shuba in the, in the penalty area. But, but yeah, Shuba is definitely the safe choice, but, but I think Smolov has, has an upside against England, especially because I, I predict England to kind of have the possession of the ball and be in control of the game, and I think Smolov would give some advantages if Russia are to hit England on the counter-attacks. After the Euros, we should definitely do a small of Zuba debate. Obviously, it will depend a lot on how the Euros go because we could carry on that conversation for ages. But anyway, Andrew, I was going to come to you and say Toka mentioned the wingers there. Now, what's interesting is you said the that Russia's strength is in the middle of... is that sort of defensive solidity in the middle. Now, England aren't taking any natural wingers with them, so... They're going through the centre. If they play the diamond, which they've tended to, which is the f- basically four central midfielders, albeit in different positions, that surely plays to Russia's strength as it just allows them to soak up that pressure without exploiting anybody out wide. Yeah, I agree with that, actually. I do, um, which is which is why I see it being a very tight, tight battle. I actually think it will play into Russia's hands more than into England's hands because... With the injury problems we mentioned at the top of the show, um, with uh, with Shirokov and and Zagorev being out, who undoubtedly would have uh, sorry, not, uh, what's we talking about, um, Denisov um, out, who would have certainly been playing. It means whatever the central midfield is for Russia is likely to be, I mean, not completely experimental, but it won't be a regular partnership. So with sort of possession in front of them, they'll be able to deal with that. That's not something that will cause them too many problems, I don't think. Um, Because as far as my opinion is, the way England have shaped up uh, in some of their friendlies, now I know you can't read too much into friendlies, but the way we've seen them, they've not got the most out of 
what could be a potentially devastating forward line, uh, including Deli Ali in the in the last couple of games. Um, so the yeah the lack of the lack of wingers, um, I think also has the other benefit of um, allowing, potentially allowing um, Smolnikov a bit more license to get forward, which I think is one of his uh, biggest strengths, um, uh, which will help, which will help uh, potentially Zuba if he's playing. So uh, I think it's definitely uh, advantage to England in the uh, midfield area, just in terms of keeping it solid. I agree with that. Yeah, I was going to say, you mentioned Smolnikov there. It's actually interesting. We were talking before we actually started recording this. We were talking about the Portugal game that England played. And we were saying how Kane and Vardy were forced to track the fullbacks against Portugal. If Smolnikov and whoever plays on that left hand, that left back position, we'll, you can go into depth on that and explain to the listeners why I'm less specific about that. Surely that's a one, one thing that Russia have to do is get the fullbacks forward. It's perhaps a bit daring and against Lutsky's style, but to set up against England, you really need to push those four players back so they haven't got the energy to get back forward yeah definitely I mean the, the fullbacks is one of Russia's strengths I've I said this before I think I think Smolikov might be the best player in, in, in the Russian squad at least he is the player who could play on the highest level in my opinion I really think he is a, a top class right defender who's both He's not the best defensively, but he's he's good defensively, and then he's top class offensively. We have seen him assist, we have seen him score. He's really fascinated, especially he has a really good partnership with Hulk, who, who are in front of him. So Russia really needs to capitalize on him. They need to to allow him to go forward to to play to play his game, and then also to to create the. To, 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 to exploit the, the space England leaves on the on the wings and also because if he plays be, be, behind off for example Samadov or if he plays behind Smolov if, if Slutsky goes with uh, three strikers then we, he would allow the, the winger in front of him to move inside the pitch while Smolov will stay near the sideline and can't go to the, to the back line and, and cross to, to Chuba so I mean if they don't give him the the freedom to roam forward, that would be a really big mistake because that is where he is one of the best. There's no doubt about that at all. Mm, yeah, I mean, Smolikov was linked with Barcelona last summer, so it really does show what level he plays at. Andrew, Roy Hodgson has been criticised for not knowing his best team and his best formation. And before the friendlies, which, by the way, just for the listeners, uh, Russia lost the first one against the Czech Republic 2-1. One, one they, they were 1-0 up in that game, thanks to Kokorin. And then the final friendly before the tournament last Sunday was a 1-1 draw against Serbia, who didn't qualify. So obviously not the best pre-tournament preparation, but like Andrew said, you can't read anything into that. Now, I have totally forgotten what I was going to say. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> Andrew, just save me, save me, say something, and I'll yeah. try to remember. <laughs> well, no, I, I, I think you were, you were asking about the criticism of Hodgson not knowing his best lineup, and uh, Thomas, I, I do definitely agree with that. And I think um, I've, I've seen comments. You know, you, you always get in, and being English, we know what it's like. Before every tournament, there is a whole raft of hype about this team being the, the golden generation or the best squad since. Well, I've even seen Jeff Hurst saying the most exciting squad since '66. Yeah, well, he said I mean, that. That's a load of twaddlers. A load of twaddlers, as far as I'm concerned. Um, there is, however, a huge, huge amount of potential. Uh, the defence, the weak point, everybody can see that. There's no real leader in central defence anymore. 
But going forward, if they get the best out of the players they've got, they they could tear almost any team apart. I believe they've got the options of pace. They've got you know the classic but but talented target man in Kane. Rooney, well, I mean Rooney's position itself. I think that's the main problem. Um, Hodgson seems to have his favourites. You know, had Welbeck been fixed, he would have almost certainly been in the squad. Um, and I think he. I'm 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 fifty fifty on this debate on the is he trying too hard to accommodate Rooney at the expense of others? There is a part of me that thinks Rooney would be genuinely better, uh, not as this the main central striker. Harry Kane is is screaming out for him to be there because that is the only position he plays um, to the best of his ability. Um, so I think the criticism of Hodgson not knowing his first eleven is certainly at least partly warranted. Um, because you know, with the talent you've got there, and you can't if you can't make the most of it, I, I think there's little little room for for hiding from excuses there. And like I say, I think it will play into Russia's hands. So uh, a lot will depend on how Hodgson sets up um, his his forward line. I've suddenly remembered what I was going to say, so I'm going to come to you, Tucker. I was going to say that Hodgson is criticised for not knowing his team and his formation, which Andrew has just gone over. And we thought Slutsky pretty much had his nailed on, but it seems in the last couple of friendlies, which is how I forgot because I was too busy thinking about the scores, it seems that in those friendlies he seems to have cha changed a bit, Slutsky, and perhaps Russian fans are now a bit concerned that he doesn't know. Yeah, the, the last two friendlies, I, I forced myself to watch them and it was really painful and I, I, I kept thinking I could spend my time so much better than watching those two games because they, would really, they were really boring and it was difficult. But yeah, he, he tried playing with uh, three strikers up front. He had Kokorin and Smolov on the, uh, on the wings and then Chuba in central. And then we saw some rotation on the left back as well where he surprisingly enough played with... Um, Topinski instead of Kambala for Shinikov were both natural left backs. And I, I know Andrew said that that friendlies doesn't really uh, matter that much, and that, that seems to be the general opinion, but I'm not sure I, I actually agree with that. Of course, I don't think the result is that important. I mean, Russia could have beaten Serbia 1 0, and that wouldn't have changed my opinion. I think what's problematic about the two friendlies with Soviet Russia um, is that. The way they played wasn't good. The defensive, defensively, they, they they were poor. They made mistakes. The central defenders, the sloppy marking, and offensively, they didn't create any chances. I mean, winning the game against Serbia or Czech Republic wouldn't change the fact that it's really worrying to see experienced players like Berdasuchka and Ignacevic playing that poor defense. I mean, even if it is a friendly, they they should be they should be better overall as a team and. Offensively, Russia didn't create any chances in those two games. The, the goal against um, Czech Republic was a mistake defensively, and I think it was very worrying that offensively it wasn't better than than what we saw. Of course, he, he changed a lot, but I don't think that's an excuse. Yeah, Toka being the Russian football news martyr for watching those games for us. So, Andrew, <laughs> what would your opinion be on Slutsky perhaps not knowing his best team? Uh, well, I think it's uh, undoubtedly uh, true. I mean, the playing when you play your three strikers up front, it's it's not playing them in on a one-off that's the problem. It's the fact that those are his only three strikers in the squad. So 
if he's setting to, setting up to play with all three, why didn't he bring another as a backup in case one of them gets injured? Um, I mean, what I say, what I said about the friendlies, I I don't um, I don't think they are useful mostly because I don't think a lot of managers use them how they could do to make them useful, as in actually genuinely have at least the attacking unit how you want to line up even if the entire team is not your first choice because you wouldn't want them to get all get injured or risk getting injured um the attacking unit is is really where russia are going to win games if anything um the, the front three i mean specifically um and i i, I is i i honestly don't know where the best place is for him in the side he he does have his moments but I would rather see I'd rather see possibly Alex Shatov with a bit more a bit more pace and more direct running about him. Um, so I was disappointed not to see that. Um, does does he know his his best eleven? I, I I don't think he does at the moment. So what he what he chooses to line up with with the front three I think will be will be crucial. Um, and you know there are merits to different options, but he we really have to hope he knows which one he's really planning for and has he prepared them for it in training. Uh, I'm not so sure he has. Yeah, it was, it was funny to see Shatsov because with, with Shurikov injured, Shatsov played as the, the main playmaker on the team, as the offensive um, offensive midfielder, instead of playing on the left wing as we usually see him. And it, it didn't work out at all. He was almost invisible and Smolov was almost invisible. And... The funny thing is, Kokorin was, in my opinion, actually the best player, uh, Russian player in those two friendlies. He was against Czech Republic. He scored the goal, and overall, he he, he seemed to do very well and fit in with the team. And he he was very much involved while Smolov was. I don't know what he was doing. He was running all the places where the ball wasn't, and Shuba was roaming around, going to the wings. And Russia didn't have any central strikers or anything. It was it was a mess, but. Kokorin did well, and we saw also how important Shurikov is when he played the last minutes against Serbia, and really, you could see how how he could create things out of nothing, and how he was the man behind the goal as well. So, Russia really needs him to be to be fit, otherwise it can be ugly. Yeah, um, Andrew touched on it in his previous point, and I'm going to come back to you on it, Andrew, and then I'm going to ask Tote because I know Tote you tweeted about this the other day. Only naming the 23 initially, you mentioned that should have put another striker on a standby list. That's a big mistake by Slutsky, especially with these injuries coming up. Well, niggles, I'll say. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I've, I'm just, I'm stunned at the the apparent lack of preparation. I mean, it's just, it's basic stuff. You have a standby list because, I mean, I don't know how many countries have gone in without having to call up any standbys at all. I bet very few. I mean, the story, the story we've all read about um, how Yusupov was staying in the same hotel but didn't have any boots or kit, so clearly was on holiday. Um, I mean, if he's going to be in the same hotel, at least just, just it doesn't cost him anything. You know, it doesn't cost Slutsky anything to say, look, Arthur, just in case, make sure you keep fit. He even said it would be a bad joke if I was called up the day before he was called up as a backup. Um, and... I, I'm just, I'm, I'm stunned. I really am, um, because you know it's not something that's, uh, it's not like a technical thought-out plan. It's just simply tell the next ten players, speak to them personally, say, look, 
I would like you on standby. And we've heard stories about some players in the past for different countries refusing to be on a standby list, thinking they should have been in the first choice squad. But, you know, once you've spoken to players, you at least get an option for each position. Um, and I cannot understand why it hasn't happened. Yeah, because since we're talking about the England game, they had an initial 26-man list. And then, of course, Drinkwater, Townsend and Delph, who was injured, uh, all dropped out. I'm going to let you carry on your Twitter rant here, Toka. 23, what? I think it's I think it's ridiculous, to be honest. I don't know why Sluske didn't call up a backup and to make a bigger squad. You, we saw in the friendly, suddenly he decided to play Tobinski and uh, on the left back. And what what's the, what does it hurt to have 26, 27 players to look at in the first place? You know you'll probably get injuries. That way you can avoid a user puff situation. And furthermore, might not take the chance to at least look at some of the players because I can't imagine all of the players we saw in the squad being absolutely certain of their of their place in the squad. There must have been some doubts about some of them. So why not take the, the opportunity to look at a few more players and then he could have made his decision before the Serbia game. Um, that could have saved him a lot of troubles. But, of course, with Yusupov, he said he wasn't fit to, to play. Let's not forget how, how Denmark did in 92 when all the players came after vacation. Maybe we have a miracle coming. What was that in 92? Something, something about, would you, were you just plugging your own country? I, I didn't hear anything there, Thomas, did you? No, I, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, not hearing the, I'm not hearing the Danish anthem coming up in the next few weeks, mate. <laughs> oh dear! I'm just saying, maybe, maybe, maybe Yusupov will turn out to be the best player in the squad because he had a week of vacation. Oh, maybe he got a bit of sun in him. But Andrew, um, <laughs> Yusupov is literally there to make up the numbers, in my opinion, because he, he hasn't got any match fitness. He's literally there because UEFA demands a 23-man squad. Well, I can't. I can't see where he's going to fit into the the, the first eleven. Um, I'd say even with um, uh, even with Denisov and Zagorov being out injured, even in the squad right now, Glushikov's ahead of him, even Neustadter would be ahead of him. Um, I've even heard some people, which I don't agree with, but still mentioning the possibility of even Golovin playing in midfield. I mean, he should be further forward, um, I think. But I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't even see the benefit of him as a loose, vaguely versatile player in the squad. Give it to somebody who can make a difference. There already are versatile players in the squad. Kambarov can play in midfield um, and in defence. We mentioned Torbinski a few times today. I mean, he may not be world-class, but he can play in more than one position. Um, so, I, I, I totally agree. I, I think everything about the Yusupov call-up call up is, is verging on embarrassing. Um, uh, especially when I think there are other options back in Russia, whether they are prepared or on holiday or not, who are, who are better. I I thought even Dmitry Tarasov would have been an interesting option. Um, again, not necessarily his first choice, but he um, I think he's uh, he may be slightly uh, he might attract some news items from the front pages off the pitch, but I think he's a good player. Um, I even personally think that Roman Yemelyanov uh, Ural would have been uh, a much better option and, and is versatile as well. So I, I can't understand it. I really find it strange. 
Yeah, you mentioned Golovin there. It's interesting. I was going to come on to this. On the BBC Sport website uh, a couple of days ago, they went through a list of sort of youngsters at the Euros and they referred to Golovin as the Russian Ronaldo. Now, again, back to the England situation. We've had Marcus Rashford come into the England squad to sort of cause that surprise. Do either of you see Golovin having that surprise impact? Golovin, I don't expect to. I don't expect him to start. Certainly not every game, um, but I do expect him to come off the bench um, and provide a, a bit of creativity. Which I actually think, if you're going to use Golovin, it should be from the start. And if he tires, take him off because there'll be too much pressure on him as a relatively inexperienced player to to save the team to create something out of nothing. Um, I think give him some time to settle into the game, get get on the ball in possession from the beginning when there's less pressure than the last 20, 30 minutes when it gets a bit frantic um, pushing forwards. Um, I, I would love, I would love to be proven wrong. And I really, really do hope that um, he does well because, you know, Russia needs to have some young players coming through, gain a bit of experience in time for two years time for the home World Cup. Um, I, I fear he won't be used quite in the right way, though. That's my concern with him. Yeah, Tucker, would you think? Do you think Golovin has a chance of lighting up the Euros? I'm not sure, actually. I think Golovin was mainly included in the squad to have this Russian to prove that Russia has a, have some interesting young talents. I don't, I don't see him making much of an impact. I, th I think he did well for for CSK in the in the spring, and he scored against was it France in the friendly? Oh, Lithuania. Um, the Baltic Cup winners. Ah, yes. And then, um, yeah. <laughs> but, but in the big picture, I think there are other players who, who deserve the spot in the squad uh, more and who could make a bigger difference than than Golovin, to, to be honest. When that is said, of course, he, he, he is now the Russian Ronaldo. We have we have the Russian Messi, uh, Denis Davidov as well. But, no, I think I think it, it's too early for him. He has only played he has played less than 20 games on uh, <laughs> on the highest level so i feel i fear he is he has been included a bit too early it should be it should have been a, a, a slower development for him you know how we talk about the argent the the russian messi and the russian Ronaldo. do you think portugal have like the portuguese yusupov and the argentinian gulshakov and <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't that be amazing <laughs> Anyway, that would be good. <laughs> since we're sort of coming to the end, I want to go through what both sort of a prediction of lineups from both of you for both sides, if you can, just quickly off the top of your head, and then a prediction for the end and how you think it will play out. Perhaps be specific about the halves, whether you think it'd be slow start, quick start, whatever. Do you want to go first on that, Andrew? Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, well, I think the most of the defence we we know already. The left back spots the one that we are not sure about. So I would imagine it would be Akinfeev, Smolnikov, Bericzuski, Ignashevich, and I think he probably will go for Kombatov um, because of his he's got more experience in the position. Just about. Um, I think he'll go with uh, in the middle Shidokov and Glushikov. Um, and there's one spot that I'm not sure about, which is the third midfielder. So I personally would have Mamayev, um, and then Kukorin, Smolov, and Zuba. Kukorin, Smolov, either side. Um, I mean, England's team, I think, I think it will be, it almost picks itself. Um, Hearts, 
Klein, Smalling, Cahill, Danny Rose. Um, midfield, midfield two that Hodgson tends to play, that's the only area I'm not sure about. Eric Deer, I think we can agree, will play defensively. I think Jack Wilshire will play alongside him. Uh, and then I think we will have uh, Vardy, Kane and Ali uh, behind Wayne Rooney. Uh, I know it's going to be boring, but unfortunately, I think it will be nil-nil. I think they'll cancel each other out. First game of the tournament, they'll both take a point. Um, it will suit Russia more. Um, and mostly because I think the forward lines of both teams won't be exploited to their full potential. So that's how I see it planning out. OK, and Toker, from your take on both teams? Um, I agree with Andrew on the defence. That should be pretty settled. I think Slutsky will use Neustadt as a defensive midfielder. Then I think Glushukov will play as a box-to-box midfielder, and then Shirokov will play up front. And then given the fact that the Kokorin smolov Chuba experiment didn't really work, I think he'll go back to the basic and play Shatov uh, left, uh, Chuba central, and then Samidov right. Maybe maybe Kokorin right. But I think he'll go with Samidov, who was who has been really, really good for, for Lokomotiv this, this season. Um, I don't know much about the English team, so I'll leave that prediction up to you guys. But I think... I think England will get the victory. Probably, it will probably be a close match because it's the opening match, and both teams will be quite satisfied with um, with one point. But but I think England will take a, a one nil or two one victory. Okay, perfect. And as it's unfair to put you both on the spot, I'm, I'm going to do a prediction myself, and I think England will win to nil because I've not seen anything from Russia in about four years since the last Euros and I haven't seen them progress. I think the England line, front line is t- has got too much about it for Russia to cope with and while ugh, I think the Russian front line is in too much chaos at the moment, too much chopping and changing and I think England should be able to handle that, especially with Eric Dyer at the base of that diamond, they should be able to be quite comfortable with that threat and Slutsky not the most ambitious coach, I know Hodgson isn't either but it does seem England are more focused going forward now before we leave, um, just a few plugs for the website. Uh, you'll see lots of previews of the Euros going around on all the big websites, but the only place to find the in-depth previews for the Russian national team is russianfootballnews.com. Toko, I'm right in thinking we've got a player profile for every player on the Russian national team. Not yet. We'll have the last one coming up but in Friday. Ge- in general, we've got them all coming up. Yeah. Okay, yeah. perfect. And... So it just leaves me to say thank you to both the guests. Thank you once again, Andrew. Just a quick plug for your your Twitter account and everything. Yeah, my Twitter is at Andrew M-I-J Flint. Okay, and Toka? My Twitter is um, at Toka Thielade. That's spelled T-H-E-I-L-A-D-E. Okay, perfect. And I'm Thomas underscore Giles underscore UK. We are at Russ Football News. Find us on Facebook, Russian Football News. RussianFootballNews.com is the website. So subscribe to this podcast. Do rate us. Give us a nice review as well. That's on SoundCloud and iTunes. Like I said previously, all your Russian-focused Euro preparation, if you want to find more about the Russian national team, come to us. We really are the only destination for that rather than the other the other websites who don't focus as much, I would like to think, as us. So, once again, just thank you to the ge- two guests, and we'll see you on the next oh, podcast. Thank no, you for listening. No, Goodbye. <laughs>
Идет футбольный матч, летит над полем мяч. 